Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. My name is Jen Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of this podcast, where we are dedicated to optimizing exercise and overall human function. And this is definitely true of home exercise, which our conversation today is about. My guest is a repeat guest. She was on in January, I believe. And her name is Jacqueline Sclaver. She's elite. She is an elite performance and nutrition and fitness coach. She has a master's degree in Masters of Science in Nutritional Sciences, Functional Medicine, uh, Nutritional Functional Medicine, and is a CNS, which is a board-certified nutrition specialist, a licensed dietetic nutritionist, and holds several fitness uh, exercise and Olympic lifting certifications. And I'm excited to talk about the subjects that we're bringing up today because there is a lot of free stuff as far as exercise and nutrition is concerned out there on the internet. And this has probably doubled the information intake on these things um, for so many of us. So we have to discern what is good information, what we're feeding our body, And I mean, literally feeding our body and information wise, how we're feeding our body and then exercise wise, since exercise has such a high value for the era that we are living in now, it's more important than ever not to waste your time on exercise that is fruitless. And I don't want to say a waste of time, but some exercise really can be a waste of time, especially if it's leading you towards injury. My, our conversation today is really centered on how we, um, as experts in this field and as experts in customizing programs, especially her, I'm not uh, so much a program uh, expert as far as like exercise goes, you know me, I'm more of a neuromuscular therapist that helps people learn how to use their body correctly after injury. So using the right muscles for the right movement, that's my specialty. But she's like a programmer as far as like fitness and nutrition goes and has seen so many transitions as far as body composition goes, meaning taking people into different levels of performance, like NFL players, uh, like fitness models and things like that. So this woman has a ton of experience in programming and we wanted to bring a conversation to the podcast about the false misinformation that is all over Instagram, especially the influencer-like exercises. So her and I seem to have a lot in common. So we seem to love this craziness of the Instagram influencer workouts because it like drives us crazy. It's, you know, it's like chewing on something that you're not supposed to, or it's like looking at the car wreck, the bottleneck effect 
her and I share that with Instagram influencer workouts. So this is part educational and it's like somewhat therapy, especially for me to really talk about this stuff out loud. And what's important throughout the podcast episode is that we are debunking influencer workouts and giving you tips on actually how to stimulate your muscles. So really it's a it's it's a it's a little window inside what we think about these things and how we guide our clients to thinking differently about their home workouts. So you know what are these Instagram influencer workouts a pen, potentially a waste of time. A influencer is a person who really doesn't have a lot of qualifications except a blue check by their name on a social media platform and a lot of followers. So they have influence over their audience and that's where the influencer name comes from. Secondly, there's really no way to tell whether they are qualified to give exercise advice. For example, a celebrity is not a qualified exercise instructor or teacher. Please don't follow their exercise instruction. And same with athletes. They're not qualified uh, just by just being an athlete. So following their workouts and watching what they are doing to copy them is not sound exercise advice at all. Uh, For example, Tom Brady was on Howard Stern the other day and was talking about tight muscles and big muscles being tight and all kinds of nonsense that really has no basis in scientific analysis or scientific foundation. And so let me ask you this. Do you want your exercise to help your health right now? Do you want it to strengthen your body, your immune system, and improve your life? The answer should be yes, then if that is the case, you need qualified advice. And we're talking um, about execution of exercise, the control of exercise, and how they are monitored. Uh, You can't get that from live workouts, from free workouts. This these things aren't plans and not to get too much into it, but following a training session that is just pre-made choreographed movements is a random cluster of exercise. This is not an opportunity to get stronger unless you customize it to be that way. I could really go down the rabbit hole on what qualifies an exercise professional. You have to decide what you want for your body and then seek out the instruction and the guidance. There are so many things available right now. We are all on even playing field and I believe that there are so many wonderful options. If you need programming right now, I would definitely talk to Jacqueline. She is available. This is amazing because if we were pre-coronavirus, she would be on a waiting list. So, you know, take advantage of that. Secondly, if you have an injury and you're trying to work through tightness and muscle overuse or underuse, I'm your gal. I can help virtually. 
Again, this is a huge opportunity. Before this all started, I had a month-long waiting list. So anyways, the conversation is fun, I promise. One thing I would like to clarify before we start is anaerobic and aerobic exercise being different. So cardio is different than stimulating your muscle groups or stimulating your muscles to get stronger. And we don't really mention that when we're talking back and forth, but I think it's just worth like keeping in mind that they are two completely different things. And there are so many different types of goals that you can have, but it all comes down to this, being strong and staying strong. To get in touch with Jacqueline, you can find her on Instagram at Athletes Nutrition, A-T-H-L-E-A-T-S Nutrition, and at athletesnutrition.com or fitmissnyc.com. She has all kinds of programs available. And of course, you can reach me on Instagram at impact underscore your underscore fitness or through the links in all the bio and whatnot. I uh, will have several links and resources ready to go for you. And I really think you will enjoy this conversation. Have a wonderful week. Yeah. What, uh, any, so the, the big question I have is really about now, now that you're focusing, um, on clients that don't have access to a lot of gym equipment. So does that create um, more controllable variables for you, or is it just like a, um, a whole new way of coaching weight loss clients? Well, it's interesting because I do have this theory that some people are losing weight because their stress levels are a lot lower. Um, especially in New York city. Cause a lot of my clients are like, well, I'm losing weight faster than I was before. Or all of a sudden I'm seeing this like weight loss drop. And obviously like they're not working out as much as they used to because they're on modified home workouts or maybe they're just doing Instagram lives. You know, they're not doing two a days or anything like that. And their body changes to me look better. And so I think that stress is having, you know, is showing us how much stress affects people's lives. But um, as far as me modifying things, the way I work with them, and this, this is the same for like all of my people working out at home and any of my athletes, you know, we just lower, I just had to lower calories and lower carb intake for a lot of people because, you know, but not just are they exercising less, but they're sitting at a de- sitting at a table all day. Right. So they don't need as many carbs. So, you know, modifying that and then also being able to explore more recipes and cooking and understanding why we're eating certain foods a little bit more, um, So before it was just like, okay, let's understand macros. And now it's like, okay, well, let's understand why we could eat certain foods that can make us feel better or things like that, you know? So having more time to put into it. Um, And then the one last thing I've been noticing is a lot of people say to me, like they got out of a meal prep thing where they figure, well, I could just, I'm home anyway. I can just cook this meal as it goes along. And that only lasts so long. It just, it doesn't, (laughs) eventually you're going to go into kitchen and you're not going to want to make that meal and you're going to grab something, whatever you have. Right. So. so I found that I'm keeping trying to keep people on still meal prepping. So it's already there, even though they're home. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would think being able to cook at home would have a, an impact, like make a, make a, a change for your clients. Cause I can't imagine like 
that, uh, I, well, what I can't imagine is that, uh, cooking from home is a huge barrier for a lot of people trying to lose weight and change their physique. And yeah, I mean, look, when you cook your own foods, you know what's going into it, right? It's like, that's the bottom line. I tell everybody, you know, people come to me and they're like, well, I eat out a lot and, you know, I can show you the menus. And I'm like, yeah, sure, we could do that. You know, I'll meet you halfway, but I'm going to let you know that you're not going to see the same results. And I can tell you that nine out of 10 times by month two, people are like, all right, I see what you mean. I need to start cooking for myself more. Or I do you see this thing. So um, yeah, there's variables you can't control. And even the best meal prep companies, I mean, you have to trust them to some extent. I think that what you're seeing, like, especially with this high fat thing is a lot of meal prep companies are like paleo or grain free. And to make up for that, they're doing like heavy coconut, you know, oils or coconut flour, almond flour. And yeah, like sometimes some of them are like 26 grams of fat in a meal. And as a woman, I mean, we don't get that much fat in a day. I don't know what you get, but I get like a 60 to 70 grams average, you know? Um, so if I was eating 26 grams in one meal, where does that leave me for anything? You know, that's yeah. not much. So, I have trouble staying under a hundred. Uh, well, I can get, I, I, I'm com- from my normal day to day, like working all the time and uh, tracking. I naturally go towards a hundred to like 110 um, grams a day, but it, and maybe that's just like my taste preferences and like whatever, but now I have no idea. I'm not tracking anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I haven't, some days I track and some days I don't, um, but I just know myself and like, cause I don't, I don't get that many calories a day. I mean, when I'm active, active, I do about 2,100, 2,100, but when I'm not as active, which I just admittedly have not been, you know, I mean, I just, I can admit it. Um, so I stick around like 17 and that lowers my fats for me. I mean, um, but I think that back to the meal prep company thing, I mean, there are some, and this is something that I, because I source meal prep companies for a lot of people that I find so hard to find a really good, reliable company where, and I actually get to talk to a chef or somebody who cares. And like, maybe I'm lucky if I find one of them in each city, which is, it's just really, really hard. And, um, you know, they, some companies do understand and they are doing like low fat kind of meals, but then like, do they taste good? Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just, it's like, just cook your own food and this is a great time to learn and understand and see the, how easy it is. Yeah. You know, I'm writing this blog article and I'm really tired of the word quarantine. I just am over it. Um, and really want to reframe this time as like, you know, everything is stopped like economy, uh, our busyness, our productivity, not our out, outside productivity, our external productivity. And I'm just thinking about, you know, how much we can do at home to like just optimize our health and focus on the pieces of what would carry over for, you know, a pain-free, um, being, you know, keeping, uh, keeping your body weight at a body, body composition at a I don't know, healthy level. And like all those things that would carry us over into like decades of good health, like can be worked on right now. So, um, yeah, I know. I think that's great that you're, you're able to, you know, work with people in that way and you're finding people. Are you getting new clients or are you work, Are you like recycling? Not really. Um, so I was on a like two week waiting list when all this happened. So like March 5th, I was on like a two 
March 5th was the last day I had a client until recently. Mm. Um, so I was like, I was literally on a two week waiting list to take new clients. And all of a sudden it's just like, boom, it just hit. Like I came back from New York city and it just hit. Um, and I've gotten like one or two, what, what I'm actually finding and this week started last week. Um, so I, I have a lot of weight loss clients, but I also, you know, I'm a functional medicine nutritionist, so I can work in deeper areas, uh, like hormone balance and gut health and IBS and IBD and all different things. And I'm starting to get more of those clients now, which is great. I mean, there are a lot more difficult cases than just weight loss because we have to dig a lot deeper. And, um, I feel like I'm a detective, right? A health detective at that point, a lot of thyroid issues. So those people are starting to come to me a little bit more again. Um, so it's a different type of client, but I'm not, it's nothing like it was mm-hmm. before. I mean, um, it's very hard. Even my athletes like this, you know, this was a time of year where I normally would pick up my NFL athletes and like, I just wasn't able to be in the gym with them. So overall, no, I haven't really had many clients. Yeah. I have no, a couple here and there, a couple consults. Um, but I do think that some people are starting to realize, okay, like this is kind of the new norm. And if this is a new norm, I can't not focus on what I look like and my weight and my nutrition. So like, Let's make it work, which makes sense. This is the time they should focus on that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, what what do you think will be the new norm for gyms? Do you think we're going to be able to function? I mean, twenty four seven fitness or whatever it's called just filed for bankruptcy this morning. Yeah, well, let's think of they, there's also like just like anything else. There's other factors. Like they were not a great gym to begin with. I mean, I don't know how they were in other cities, but in New York, they were. You know. Um, so I have a feeling we're a bankruptcy to begin with, and maybe this was an excuse, you know, um, I think big gyms are going to have a problem. Um, you know, in New York, we have a lot of private trainer gyms where you can bring people in. And so the one place I would bring people in, we had a max anyway, at any time of the day, no more, I think it was like no more than eight trainers could have a client with them because mm-hmm. people are paying top dollar and we're top trainers and we want our, it's, it's for our client. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a controlled environment. And I think in, in a controlled environment like that, where they could say, hey, we could take in five trainers and their clients at once, and we can really know what's going on. Maybe those would be the first ones to try out and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. You know, Because it's not transmitted through sweat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know if you're seeing this, but like some studies are coming out showing how exercise can actually be one of the best ways to prevent this, right? Oh um, it gives me goosebumps to like think about, you know, one, I get really excited about being right. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe it. That's exciting. Um, and then too, like just how oh, the irony of like the comorbidities and health with um, this thing attacking us. And oh, yeah, no, I'm definitely I've got my finger on that pulse. I mean, they said there's two things, right? So they're saying heat and thermogenesis can help kill the virus. Thermogenesis possibly from exercise, even because you're internally, you know, you're sweating and there's heat. And then they're saying. Um, like you saw me post about this other day. They're like, what are some breathing exercises you could do for your lungs? And it's like, I don't know, cardio exercise, what we've been telling people to do for years. Like we're not saying you have to run a marathon, but the government does recommend what 30 minutes a day, three days a week. That's a breathing exercise for your lungs, you know? So those little things can help you because they're also seeing like the people that were on vents um, or that were just laying down backwards, like your lungs, the best, the best results. And I think Kumo's brother said this was like walking around and breathing and trying to get this stuff out of your lungs, not being passive to it. Um, so I think that people, I'm hoping that people are going to come back full force into exercising and wanting to, um, it's just a matter of what's going to be the safest way to do it. And if it means training people outside, then let's do it. You know, let's just give us the ability to go back and, 
and at least try, but I don't think big box gyms are the answer because that's a really uncontrolled environment and Mm -hmm. how clean are they to begin with? And you know, it's like, it's hard, it's hard to control that environment. But I think for maybe private trainers, maybe if you have insurance, like, I don't know about you, but like I have insurance as a trainer and I think all independent trainers really carry that. Mm -hmm. So maybe like if you carry insurance, maybe you could be one of the people that are allowed to go back, something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, first of all, it's really worth noting that, um, Chris Cuomo, the brother of everybody's sweetheart these days, the, the brother of the governor <laughs> and the son of the former governor Cuomo. He is so hot. He is <laughs> so dad hot. I am so, he takes his shirt off on Instagram regularly. He used really? to oh, really, my, he works out like all the time. Um, so before this happened, he was a, he was kind of a little bit of an Instagram hoe and he would get, he would do in his stories and, you know, he would do his workout. Okay. I, I'm, I've been into it for a while. I think I'm following the wrong Kumo brother. Yeah. You're following <laughs> the wrong Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, he's, oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, he's got some, he does some really good interviews um, on the late night circuit. There's some old ones and he did a push up contest with like, I think it was Stephen Colbert or something. It was like the, like the one Michelle Obama had done with Oprah. It was like that. And it was just made me so happy. <laughs> um, anyways. Um, and then, yeah, the, the gym thing, um, I think uh, independent s- practitioners like you and I are going to fare well in this new normal, even going back to an open economy and things, um, I guess somewhat back to normal because of we're now realizing what it means to have, you know, individual attention and, you know, tracking our body's responses and our body's response to the environment and what's going on outside and then um i think it'll be um more respected i want to say as a status symbol if that's um just thinking bigger and culturally about it and, right oh well i i know what you yeah. mean because you know you get this thing like oh you're a personal trainer and like i always say no i'm not a personal trainer i mean i'm a nutritionist before i'm a trainer am i a personal trainer yes am i sir do i train some people yes but you know i mean and you have your master's degree right in 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 what do you have your master's degree in exercise physiology oh, or yeah yeah and so i mean like, like we're we have and like people look at, I feel like that's like a lower status quo. And it's like, no, actually we're kind of like lifesavers or <laughs> we are a big part of your life. If you're stuck at home right now doing Instagram live workouts, you now probably value us so much more. And I don't know about you. I'm sure I put hours into my clients programming. It's not like I just show up and like, all right, today, this is what we're going to do. No, it's like each person has a specific path and a goal and things we need to work on. And, and it takes time, you know, and we charge by the hour, but like really it's two, three hours worth of work for every person. Yeah. No, so. I, I used to work, um, back in another Republican white house. Oh, I'm in DC. And, uh, I used to work on retainer for some really high level folks and, that I mean, I would, I would, I would go back to that. Um, and I've been thinking about a new way to do business in person because now I feel, I feel vulnerable. Um, I feel to the economy, to the people that are coming in, like I have never felt before. Um, 
you know, I'm not only exposed to, um, you know, the person to person contact, but now I just feel it's just like opened up, um, just new ways that I've have felt vulnerable by this whole thing. And like that, my, um, that my income actually depends on people moving around and you know, it's just, it's really made me think, but yeah, I would go back. I was, I was been thinking about going back to a retainer model that I was doing before, but I was also on that retainer model because I was at their beckoning call. Um, (laughs) yeah. Retainer um, means that you're there 24 seven. I get that. You know, it's like, that's a whole nother conversation. I feel like from like a trainer standpoint, um, and some people have never been at that level or never been in that model. And some people are, you know, it's like, it's a very interesting concept, right? It's like mm-hmm. how much, and if, if I know myself, like I'm a very giving person. So when I'm on retainer, I'm probably giving 110% of what I'm retained for, mm-hmm. you know, but you're on retainer and yeah, you know, so there's, there's that side of it. Um, that's like a whole, if you yeah, have, no, it is. Yeah. A whole nother thing to think I about. Um, and then what, um, tell me a little bit more about how you're, um, so when you're programming for people now, um, are you giving them stuff to buy? Are you able just to work with what they have? I mean, depends. I did have a couple of clients get TRXs, which has been like an amazing lifesaver because like think if you're in a small apartment in New York city, like what can, first of all, people can't get stuff. Second of all, like how much space do we have? And I've worked in like the smallest conditions with the TRX. So I did have a couple of people pick up a TRX, which is a hundred dollars. You know, it's worth it. It's a less than a gym membership for the month. So I've been able to program with a TRX. Some people, I have a client who's almost has a full gym in her basement, which is amazing. Um, and then I have people that are like, oh, I have a teddy bear, kitty litter and, um, a, you know, and a laundry basket mm-hmm. and you make it work. I've come up with so many creative things and ideas and if people just want structure. So even if it sounds stupid and silly, like we're cleaning a laundry basket, mm-hmm. as long as they have that in a program, they're going to do it. But if they're just looking at their laundry basket, they're not going to do it. So I make programs with it. I, I am actually proud of myself. Some of the things I've come up with, you know, um, and, and people say they're challenging and they enjoy them. They just feel better having a structured program, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even I do. And I have the whole library in my head and I still, when I have a structured program, it all of, all of the things work better together and my, you know, my consistency's there. Um, yeah, I, uh, definitely am impressed by some people's creativity these days. <laughs> um, at my house, um, I've been using some suitcases, the straps off a suitcase. I've been really into towels, like beach towels, bath towels, um, <laughs> have been my go-tos, but, um, and the golf club. Oh, I can do a ton with the golf club. I never even went there before. Interesting. Like rotational stuff. Um, well, I do a lot of isometrics because okay. I'm always worried. I I'm, I've been doing, I've been a, a very big advocate of isometrics for about a decade. And I think they're going to, I think any day now they're going to come back into style and or not that they ever were, but, um, they're going to make, they're going to have a moment. And that is because they can target, um, different types of muscle fibers, um, in, in minutes, uh, in second to second motion, you can have control over what you're doing with slow twitch, fast twitch, and a combination of those things. Um, and if you pair it with explosive motions, 
for just short intervals, you're getting a ton of metabolic cost um, and or metabolic energy uh, exertion and getting a lot of muscle contraction at the same time. So, but on the other side of that, I've been using them religiously for injury prevention and for my athletes and uh, for people with the early onset arthritis and things like that, um, ACL reconstruction, isometrics are extremely valuable. So the golf club is my new isometric tool. Um, and then the other weird thing that I've really gotten into is uh, using the yoga block for all kinds of like weird balancing activities that I would never even look at. Um, two months ago, I would have just rolled my eyes and moved on. But, um, there's basically all these like little Pilates moves that you can do with a, uh, yoga block that have been, I mean, I would love to see both because I have three yoga blocks and, and two sets of golf clubs in my house and, and like my dad. And I think the great thing about the golf clubs is like, I know my dad being, you know, over 70 and there's so many men around here that golf was their go-to and then they shut the courses down and like, you know, maybe I could engage them a little bit, give them a little bit of movement exercise. You should do like a golf club isometric thing. Yeah. Put it out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> get them engaged fun. with like their, with their yeah. tools that they're used to and get them moving a little bit, you know? Yeah. The putter set, the iron set. We'll probably keep the driver out, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think no, people would like, at least down here in Florida, they would like, they would appreciate it because people are going nuts without playing golf. Oh yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's my, that's one of my activities of choice and I'm bummed. Um, but you know, that's, uh, <laughs> speaking to those things, outside. I think, I think we had, we had started, we had mentioned that we wanted to do this because we kind of wanted to debunk some things, right. That were out there for like exercises and movements that we felt were, I never want to say movements a waste of time, but I don't like people to believe that they're going to get a benefit out of something that they're not, if that makes yeah. sense. I mean, um, the main thing I see is I would call it a lack of resistance in the yes. actual profile of the exercise. So for me, I look at exercises as having a profile and how they can offer a challenge. So they can offer a challenge at the beginning of an exercise, in the middle of an exercise, and through the lengthening of or the return or the end part of the exercise. People seem to understand it as like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, like it's a beginning and middle and end kind of in each and every rep. And so when I see some of the exercises in, um, I guess the influencer world more than anything. And I mean, like in New York, I, I don't pay attention to a lot of stuff that happens in LA. Um, and like the fitness trends, but I, I genuinely enjoy and have a curiosity for the trends that come out of New York. Like I, I, when I go to New York, I go out of my way to almost punish myself and go to classes that I would normally. <laughs> it is like punishment. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, I've, I've done it. Yeah. There was one that I actually really liked that I was really surprised by. It was called Burn. Like Oh, Burn, burn the cold place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. like, was that for, see, I don't like being cold. I've, I've never even done cryo because of that. So I, I don't know if I'm down for that. It's got to be hot. <laughs> it was way, it was, I, I enjoyed it. 
Um, on the other end of that, the actual worst experience of my mid thirties will have to go to, ugh, what's her name? Oh, I just, uh, to me, the class. It is. What is oh, my God. oh, oh, okay. So I took her class. I took the class when she was like the five people in a room class, when she first started this yeah. class thing, she was the beginning of like the Tracy Anderson Yes. kind of like phase it was like dance movements but like what are we really doing kind of thing and she got really big she got really big from that right yeah and there's kind of a there's a there's a little um, it's a fictional memoir about her okay um, I can't remember what it's called but it was uh it's it was one of those audio books that I no I did read it it was one of those books that I read that was just it was like watching 90210 it was just like entertaining and cute um, and, oh God, it's so, it was so funny. And it was, it was about the ones and it was, it was good. Anyways, the so, one thing I remember uh, about her and her class is that she wore all white all the time. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, God, can I ever wear all white? No, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, yeah. this was like what, six, seven years ago, I think. So like seven years ago when she first started out. So, um, yeah, I've never taken the class. Well, I did I did like a, a small group the class. I think she came to like our co-working space when she first started off. That's what it was. Well, it was packed. It was $37 a person. Um and it was in, it's in the Flatiron, the one that I went to, and it um it was just probably about 600 square foot at the most and it was those people on top of each other mats were you know, only four or five inches apart. And there's a lot of jumping jacks. Um, there's a lot of, um, burpees and yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how would you, so, then, yeah. So, um, back to like the actual, um, when you, when you see an exercise that, um, would like, I don't know, set off the alarm, like that could be a waste of time. Um, what do you, what are you seeing? Like, what is the thing that like would. So uh, one of the biggest things I see, and, and these, these are like from like the influencers on an Instagram that have like millions of followers, you know, it's like, I, I want to unfollow them, but I can't, it's like addicting to watch the craziness. If you know what I mean? Sometimes I, I actually did unfollow some during this, but sometimes it's like, I, you just want to see the crazy. So when you're doing these, co- they do these compound movements mm-hmm. that make things look so difficult. So we're talking like. I don't know, like a pull, one dumbbell, and then a squat, and then a thing. And it's like, none of that is efficient enough. You're not balanced. There's not enough, you know, it looks fancy and hard, but none of it's even like I've tried it. Like she's on a bench and she's got the leg up in the air and she's pulling from here. And it's like, yeah, what? You're not getting anything out of that except maybe throwing your spine off. I don't know. And people love this stuff. And those kind of things drive me crazy. Um, of course, anything with like three pound weights, you know, um, it's hard to, and you know this, it's hard to get the same stimulus for your upper and lower body. So if you're using like a three pound weight and you're balanced on one leg and then you're doing like a squat jump, what are you getting out of that? Except really exerting a lot of energy that you could be using to do a movement that you're actually getting something out of. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel, you know? Um, so those things drive me nuts. And then of course these bands. Um, and for me, bands are a really big part of my workout. It's about a 20 minute activation series that I go through to get my knees going, to get my hips going, to get my glutes activated, but they're never a workout for me. Mm-hmm. I could sit here with a band and I have all different types of bands. I could do these 
probably for two hours straight. And I would never feel that mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, even in muscular endurance, like where is that getting you really, you know? Um, well, I have <laughs> thought about that. And I think the other side of this is that, um, I think women that do seem to gravitate towards that area, they don't know what it feels like when you've lifted weights for just even, not even a full three months, not even like a month and a half, like what you're, how quickly and I don't want to say quickly, how good your body is at responding to, um, load, you know, meaning exercise where you're lifting and, um, overcoming resistance. And once you like see those changes, I don't, I I just don't see how you could ever even go back to, well, I think there's the fear, right? A lot of these women are afraid to lift weights because they're afraid of getting big. So I'm like, listen, I've been lifting weights for over 20 years. And I, this is, this isn't even big to me, you know? And it's like, if you think you're going to look like me from doing one month's worth exercises, you're not, you know, um, you're not going to get big. So I think it's a big, and then I also thought about this the other day because my workouts are hard. They're challenging, right? Mm -hmm. When you're doing like this, Mm-hmm. It's not that challenging. Like you can go in and you can do this, you can do this and you can get fans. And like, it's, there's no fear involved in it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just such an easy workout to do. It's like a fun, easy dance workout, but like, where is that really getting you? It's not. Yeah. No, you know? I mean, you know, every once in a while, I, I just don't, you know, there's probably no problem or real, no benefit from doing these classes, but uh, yeah, no, I just programmed something for a client of mine, um, tennis player, uh, a professional, you know, she's not a, uh, a professional athlete. She's a professional woman who wants to be athletic and she likes running, loves tennis. And we've been working together for a while on a foot injury. And so we're finally this happened at a good time for her to be honest with you, because she needed to learn how to manage her strength training without bar, without, um, you know, doing and taking like tennis out of it. So she could just focus on strength. And I just wrote two little programs for her that she could do even, you know, not even with like, no more than 45 minutes. And it was all stimulating, you know, strength. Um, and I would even say a little bit of hypertrophy, um, on purpose. So, you know, she's like, I don't like the way my arms look. I'm like, well, in order to change that, we need to get some force into the muscles, into the joints so that they can respond appropriately. Um, I, and it ended up being um, a lot of isometrics and uh, different variations of it and um, some, you know, just some overhead lifts and some rows and some tempoed push-ups because she has to do it at home. So we ended up going in that direction and she's like, you know, she's excited about it. I'm, I'm just so glad to see her make that transition from being totally just wrapped up in bar class to, you know, sold on you know, stimulating her upper body. Cause that's what it really is. And I love, I love the transition of clients from bar to lifting. That's, those are my favorites. 
<laughs> they are like, they have like this revelation of life, right? They're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can never go back to that. <laughs> you know, and there's, there's definitely people like that. I, they're my favorites without a yeah. doubt. They fall in love with lifting too. They fall in love with what you said, how they feel, mm-hmm. the endorphins it releases, the way their body's changing, the way their body's reacting, the way their metabolism's increasing. You know, like right now we can't do metabolism tests all the time, but I do have some clients that are do it like once a month. They'll test their metabolism or, or they'll even use the in-body which estimates it. And because their lean body mass is going up, like their metabolism's going up, you know, mm-hmm. they're eating more. It's just amazing. You know, all from like transitioning from the bar. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, test uh, metabolism? I actually have a machine, which is called the MedGem, which you breathe into. So right now we won't be using that right now, but uh, you plug it into the wall. It's, a, it's an FDA approved indirect calimeter and you breathe into it. It, it, it measures um, respiratory rate exchange mm-hmm. and it's about a 10 minute test. Kind of like I've been told it's like an asthma test. It pinches your nose and, um, and it gives you a resting metabolic rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other way is like if somebody's not with me one-on-one, you know, the in-bodies and stuff, they give you like an estimated RMR. Um, yeah. And so when they go in for their monthly in body, they'll, they'll see their RMR in there and it changes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I used the in body for a couple of years. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I would love to see if I could get a metabolism test and that's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun test. You have to do it um, in the more at the best, most accurate is when people do it first thing when they wake up. So uh, in New York, it, it's a little bit of a, for me, I prefer if somebody just like drove to me and like hadn't been running around because they can't eat, you can't drink, you can't take medication, you can't exercise. But in New York, just getting to me is exercise sometimes, you know, like I try to come to them because just taking the train is like your, your body's moving, your metabolism starts. Yeah. So, yeah. How much do you, in a normal pre coronavirus, how much on average, do you think New Yorkers walk in a day? Oh, uh, easily 10,000 steps. I mean, I track mine all the time and I was on five miles was average for me. Um, some days were more, some days were less, but I was actually thinking about this phasing back into like when New York opens up again, how physically exhausted people are going to be. Because I know mm-hmm. when I wasn't living in New York and just going to visit or like, you know, I do travel for a couple months at a time it is so physically exhausting and mentally exhausting on your body when you're not used to it. So there's going to be a lot of really adrenally stressed and exhausted New Yorkers when, when things go back to normal. (laughs) Because, Um, yeah, because they're adrenally stressed, meaning like the, if the, the world restarting will be kind of like a shock. Well, that, and like, we have to, like, we have to go 10,000 steps. Like I have to walk four avenues and down a double underground and then up the steps. And then I have my head and I also carry around a 15 pound backpack all day, which most people do, you know, it's like just to get to home Depot, to get to Seven Eleven, to get to the supermarket, to get everything we do is walking. We don't have cars. So you're mm-hmm. constantly walking and moving and it's stressful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, all those people all the time too. So I think that's going to be like a huge, like everyone's getting thrown into it at once, you know? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I, don't, I can't even fathom how these people are talking about opening things back up again. Um, then, okay. So what, um, I guess like how much, um, how much has uh, Olympic lifting influenced your programming? For other people? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with Olympic lifting is you have to know how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I can't just program it for you. Mm-hmm. So I try to, some women come to me and they know how to because they've taken some CrossFit classes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but those are the people I'll really work with one-on-one if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do a couple sessions with them because I do a lot of remote programming, but I'll be like, okay, let's learn how to do proper squats, proper cleans, snatches, or maybe I tell them if they're not near me, like, can you hire a trainer that's in your gym or close by you to teach you how to do Olympic lifts? Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll start with just using kettlebell or, or dumbbell snatches mm-hmm. and clean, clean and press and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I love it. I love putting it in because my objective, when I do programming for women, I never program in cardio. I mean, forget about it. Like my, my workouts are hard enough. You're getting, you're, you're not sitting around your heart rate's going up. So if I could throw in some Olympic lifts in there or, you know, you're definitely getting some cardio in then too, you know, in the beginning, the power output, you know, I mean, I was doing, um, before this stuff I was doing, my main lift was, um, it was, at, it was 60%, um, of my one rep max. And I was doing, you know, anywhere from 10 to 12 reps. That was cardio. I was. Oh, it's definitely cardio. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was struggling to make it to twelve. It was, it was, it was tough. And then the the rest uh, interval kept was was one of the um, variables that we were playing with and changing. And if that got shorter, I was, <laughs> I was, um, it it was hard. I'll just put it that way. Uh, and it would definitely make me like giggle a little bit. There's there's different like schools of thought behind like weightlifting coaches have different schools. So like my coach is very, um, you know, one minute rest. He's not, unless I'm doing like a maxing out, but he's always like, you know, try and keep an eye on the clock one minute between your sets where some people, you know, you see them sitting around a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm not that person. When I do my, when I do my own lifting, I'm on, that's a challenge for me. I want to have the energy to be able to go out there and do two or three reps and rest a minute and go back out and do it again. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I can't even do two reps. If I, if I'm not working out four days a week, Olympic lifting, Mm -hmm. I lose that power. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. You know, it it takes so much out of you to do Olympic lift. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're not conditioned for it. So people don't realize like, that's another reason why I love doing it. I mean, the mental and physical challenge, but then it's also like, it's interval training without even having to do anything else, you know? Yeah, no, it, yeah. And I've, I've, um, have you found that, um, different types of women respond, um, more favorably to a certain like percentage of a one rep max, or I'm saying one rep max based on, uh, having a universal uh, set point and versus like, um, moving more into a cardio, uh, zone, if you will, of reps and time? Um, well, I don't really program over 75, maybe 80% on squats, but when it comes to Olympic lifts, I keep it to 75 because people are coming to me for overall body composition changes. Mm -hmm. No one's coming to me as a weightlifting coach. So I really keep that in mind along the way that we are looking at a hypertrophy model or, you know, just the bikini body model. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't really go over 75% on lifts and like with squats, like I said, we might do an 80%. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's about the most I work off with now. Also keep in mind, like a lot of women have no idea what that even means when they come to me and I'm like, let's figure yeah, out your one I'm rep max. Going, okay. What does bikini body actually mean? It means that they have this, like, you know, when you see the state, like the girls on stage or like the influencers, it's that hourglass figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to look like, you know, like what you see the typical, um, cover of muscle and fitness magazine Mm -hmm. kind of thing, or, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe not as much muscle or, you know, so it's like a softer fitness body. Um, and so that's what they're really coming to me for. Like a, they want to look good on the beach or they want to lose weight and have like a feminine body. 20% ish body fat or a little bit lower. Um, 
Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question because people have been asking me that a lot lately. I think like the average woman walking around is like 24 to 26. So 18% is going to be on like the leaner side, right? Yeah. So anywhere from like 20 to 23, I would say. Um, that like they actually are open this summer. Maybe we'd like to push them down a little bit, you know, just for those couple months, mm -hmm. if that's their goal. Um, that's when cardio might kick in too, as like that secret weapon. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say anywhere from like 19 to 22, 23% body fat. Yeah. Yeah. And then when, so if you are going to program in cardio, it's, it's still not going to be a bunch of just arms flailing back and forth. No, I just tell them do whatever the heck you yeah. like, what you enjoy. If you can go out and play basketball, fine. If you don't, if you love Peloton, jump on Peloton. If you like Stairmaster, whatever you like and you enjoy for that half hour, like three days a week, do it. You know, yeah. if you want to do sprints, do it. And like, if somebody really needs me to write them a, a program, I can like, like a, whether it be a running pro, whatever it can, I can write them a cardio program, but usually I just leave it up to them because I don't want it to be torturous. I just yeah. want them to keep it moving. That enjoyable factor's really got to be big. So, I mean, then if it is enjoyable, you know, could those influencer type of workouts be cardio? Or I don't even think they're even that. No, because they don't. No. no, the influencer workouts aren't cardio because there's nothing cardio. Like it's not, they're not like fast, the movements. No, just like, no, there's nothing about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I think what, the upright row with three pounds is the thing that will give me gray hair. What's your thoughts on these like hit workouts with like the jump squats, the split jump squats, the jump with the band, the jump to here? Like what, what how do you feel about that? Um, well, I think, uh, I think it's, I think it's a little dangerous to be honest with you. Um, because I, I'm, I look at it from an injury prevention and standpoint and low back pain. Um, most women don't have, uh, stable diaphragms and pelvic floor. Um, so jumping around and putting tension between your hips with a band is it, I mean, that's a, that's SI pain waiting to happen. Um, that's a problem. Uh, all the nerves around the hips, um, aren't going to like that either. Um, so I think exercise, especially of that type has to be a skill first. I think you have to learn how to decelerate and slow down your body before you speed it up. And that's what I would say to a football player. And that's what I would say to, a 14 year old soccer player. And that's what I would say to the woman who wants to do plyometrics in her workout. So would you recommend that somebody maybe does deficit jumps to start to figure that out? Like, how would you recommend someone learns how to slow down? Well, um, I'm a big, I, I would, I would teach them, uh, a different, uh, I would call it a time under tension and teaching them, um, actual eccentrics with body weight. So actually saying, okay, you're going to do this lunge and you're going to go into the knee bending with control and focus on this part of your knee. And then we would work on, you know, the next step with that of that would be the same exercise and focusing on the ankle, um, focusing on the trunk control and how their body is, uh, what I would call it, um, handling gravity. So sometimes, 
you'll see people doing split squat jumps and their shoulders are collapsing. Um, they might be bending to the left too much or bending side to side too much. That is your body not, um, responding. It's not able to withstand like the forces that you're going through and how much gravity is pulling you down into them. So those would be the first one. So I would probably, um, add, I like the, like anything got like goblet squats with the kettlebell. I think they're a really good way to teach, um, that stability while you're moving up and down because you have to brace while holding it. And that's one of the things, um, I think could help people with that. Um, the bending of the knee and I would call that folding your foldability, <laughs> uh, being able to control the way down and control, um, the Instagram booty pop pelvic tilt thing <laughs> that, yeah. um, yeah, I would, I, you know, that would be one of the first things I would show them as being, um, harmful. You know, if you're going all the way down and not able to control um, your pelvis when you're down here, that could be a problem. It's not a problem for all women by any means, but you, sh you know, you should have the option to control it. And um, yeah, but, yeah, so I would, it, it all comes down to uh, eccentric loading. I would say. I, I think <laughs> all those things you mentioned would probably help people build their legs and their glutes more than any jumping would. Right. <sighs> like without a doubt, like people don't understand how hard it is for eccentric movements and that connection of your head and your brain and telling your, it just your central nervous system, and like all that that you put on your body is just so much would make you, your muscles work so much harder than just jumping, <laughs> you know? To piggyback on that with the upper body exercises we were talking about, how amazing are um, eccentrics in a pull-up uh, situation? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. As far like, that's one of the main things women should learn. If they actually want that look, if they want that tone, if you will, <laughs> I hate that word. Um, and if they want that, um, setting up an eccentric could oh man, that would, that would be so helpful. So this is exactly how I teach it. Um, so we're just do it seated. Um, so, um, you can, I, I teach this with a band. I, my favorite is this, uh, they call them loop bands mm -hmm. there. So this is the light version. And then the heavier versions I think are called pull up assistant bands. Okay. So, um, they, they have more like that seatbelt thickness to them. And so the cue that I use, um, watch out microphone is, um, so even, even though this is not a pull-up, we go, you know, if you go up with a, um, an arc, you're going to activate more muscles than if, um, you just kind of push up to the sky. So, because from here to here, there's not a whole lot of resistance offering. So the mechanic thought process that I have is we have to change the arc to get the resistance into one rep. And so it's a time under tension challenge. So it's instead of going straight up, you're going out an arc, making a circle. And then on the way down, you pretend you're pulling down. So you're bringing your elbows around and pulling towards the ribs versus just 
plopping down. And so I just created an exercise that was more um, tension building up and down than it would be just staying in a sagittal plane. So yeah. It, well, also your lats are, um, are diagonal muscles, right? They mm-hmm. work it's just like your obliques. They're not working on a sagittal plane, right? Don't your lats work? Oh, no. Yeah. The lats, lats are funny. They have, um, they have a really, people have, a, um, lats are best at extension than anything. Um, kettlebell people really like to think of lats as like they pack everything in, they pack it down, they pack it down. I don't quite buy into that. Um, I think the lats are amazing extensors. They're amazing postural muscles. They're amazing, um, for something like, uh, oh, what else? I, I mean, they, they will finish the, uh, the pull up, um, bring you into this and bring the elbow back. They're not amazing at like starting it and, and okay. the whole entire time. You know, there's a lot of other um, guys involved. I, I call muscles guys. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I'm thinking more about, um, you know, the shoulder blades being very um, tensioned the whole time. And then that will, change the whole exercise basically. So, you know, when we think about the shoulder, um, I'm, I'm always apt to say to people, they, these are such complicated joints. It's a whole girdle. First of all, it's not just one thing and they're connected, um, to breathing muscles. They're connected to your, you know, how your head moves And they're also moving in um, a whole entire 360 degree, you know, motion. They don't know east, west, sagittal, and frontal. Like they are, you know, they can do all the things. So I always encourage people to focus on scapular stability more than anything. I have this great warm-up exercise that involves um, scapular motion and trunk motion at the same time so that people can feel that connection of what it feels like for the, for the, the synergy of the, the girdle to work. Um, the, the arm or as many people know it, the rotator cuff or the deltoids, these muscles, um, they are honestly fighting all day long just to keep your humerus in a decent position. So the idea that we we should focus on the scapula first and the stability of that first is it like, it it aligns with that idea that the humerus muscles and the ones we can kind of see um, around the, you know, just like the visible Mm -hmm. ones that women like to see and, um, that is like congruent with that idea that if we focus on scapular stability first, you can get a lot of force moving through the arms. And that's the whole point of that. Um, the other things that I do, I have a, um, I, so I use this loop band, um, for, uh, different up positions and side planks that will make 
everything more challenging for the arms and so that they can just get more out of um, every single like regular exercise. So I love push-ups where you can put this near the elbow or even near the wrist and have it anchored across the body so that when you do, so again, like thinking about the, the phases of one exercise, you have the beginning, the middle, and then going down towards the end. Chapter one, two, and three. So in chapter one of a push-up, and we're pushing away from the ground, that's a lot of a challenge from, you know, if we go from here to there. After this point, it drops off, mm. right? So if we add the band in, it gets harder where everything drops off. So it makes this whole locking out, if you will, harder, and that gets more pec stimulation. Um, and then if you add, you know, just a couple extra seconds, literally two or three in the, in the last phase of the exercise, you have a whole entire push-up that is ch more challenging than the um, just body weight push-ups. I have, so I, that's the kind of stuff that I use to challenge, make everything more challenging. And this is something I've been doing at the soccer club for years because I've had minimal equipment um, and have had to teach uh, soccer players how to decelerate, how to stimulate um, more, I would say, neurologically challenging exercises than, you know, with soccer players, you're not going to focus, especially high schoolers, you're not going to focus on um, hypertrophy. You're not going to focus on, um, they need a lot of energy and stability and control because they have just like such a high demand um, of so many different movements. So I've been using more uh, body, trying to stimulate body weight exercises in a way so that when you do a push up in this way, it is, you're getting the benefit of um, doing maybe dumbbell exercises versus like just a push up. And, you know, I just haven't, I never had the option to outfit a gym. You know, I had the fence, had my loop bands, my mini bands, and a couple benches. And that, you know, I've done whole entire programs just on that. So, you right. know, I've been waiting for this kind of thing to happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're in our element in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, well, I would say like this kind of separated like the good from the great because like the good, you know, they've learned in a book and they can do what's in the gym and stuff. But like the great, like we've been waiting for this day. We're like, <laughs> all right, you've got a teddy bear and a fence. Like, let's bring it on. Yeah. You know, let's figure it out. It's like a challenge, you know, and, and like, and we're able to make things happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, you know, how you can, um, so if somebody downloads some kind of, you know, um, food program, nutrition program, from, you know, some cheap available source and you end up writing something miraculously Correct. similar for some reason. But the fact that, you know, you can say, oh my God, this type of fat is not going to be okay. And this type of hormone disruptor is really not going to be okay. 
it's the same thing with exercise for me um, is, you know, understanding the actual structure of what we're talking about, like understanding what a force is, understanding what the elbow joint does, what the glenohumeral joint does, what, um, what does it mean? What does your body go through after five reps at 60%? And, you know, how long it takes to recover from that and how important that is into your overall programming. Like these are all things about structure that, you know, someone charging $50 for a program is not, they're not thinking about them. They're just not. No. Ugh. I can't even like, I've, I've, I've had opportunities and people are like, Oh, you know, why don't you scale your, you write a business plan and scale your business. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that because I can't think on that level. Like everything I do is so individualized that I can't imagine putting out like a mass program because just, even if I like, they're like, well, high school football players, well, Jesus, we've got like how many different positions and different weight classes and different needs and different, like, how am I supposed to just do that? I can't, I can't mm -hmm. just do, you know, like every 17 year old girl, can she eat the same thing? Uh, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I guess what other, what other things do you, do you think we should hit on? before wrapping I don't know. up. I think we I think we talked about a lot. Yeah. Um what what are you doing about all these um cleaning chemicals coming through your skin? Ugh, it's killing me because I am so anti-chemical and listen, I have to put bug spray, like deep bug spray on every time I go work out outside and that bothers me too. So it's like, I have this deep woods off on me. I have, you know, these chemical, I actually made my own hand sanitizer. Um, so I use uh, alcohol and aloe vera. Um, so it's, you know, I feel like partly like, what am I supposed to do? I don't have much of a choice right now, but I'm also like, you know, the less you go outside, the less you have to use those things too. I mean, not outside, but less you go into like stores and the public. So that's tapered down a lot. But yeah, it's bothering me. And what can we do? There's not that much we can do about it. Um, I, I heard like one of my clients was like soaking her vegetables in bleach. And I'm like, no, like heck no. Um, I mean, she's like, well, it's watered down. And I'm no, like, no, you don't, okay. you don't do that. Um, I also, you know, and this is just the way I do things. Like I'm not that stressed when I go to the supermarket, like I'm not one of those people who's coming home and like keeping everything outside and wiping it all down and blah, 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 blah. If that's someone's prerogative, if they want to do all that you know, um, but I'm, I've definitely been inhaling way more chemicals than I prefer. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been on my skin. It's been, you know, I mean, this is something we're going to deal with later, I guess. You know, let's hope that we have good detox systems, you know, yeah. keep up with like your, I take NAC every day anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, things like that. So are do you taking it in pill form? Yeah, I take NAC, like it's called pure defense. So it's like, forget what else is in there. Um, but yeah, I take it in a pill form. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have any solutions for um, testing and helping people with vitamin D levels right now? Well, testing is, you know, you have to go to the doctor to get a test with that. Um, but if for people that can't get outside, because obviously the sun is the best way, but it has to be exposed skin. So you can't have like slathered SPF all over your body. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, if you could sit outside and have lunch for 20 minutes, 15 minutes on a bench with some skin exposed, um, and then otherwise liquid vitamin D in a liquid form is always the most bioavailable. And we need uh, D3 with K2 because mm -hmm. the K2 prevents calcification. Um, so like a, people are like, Oh, my doctor prescribed me like a thousand I use in a pill. Like the chances are your body's not absorbing that. That's even, that's even conservative, isn't it? There's sometimes the, the, the pharmaceutical doses are like higher than that. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I think they're like 3000, 5000, something like that. Um, but a liquid form is the most bioavailable and then also taking it with a fat meal with fat in it. Cause it's a fat soluble vitamin. So, you know, taking vitamin D with, I don't know, avocado or whatever you eat. I don't know. You put olive oil in your food. Um, they definitely show that the absorption rate is higher with like a fat than with like an apple. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can't be out in the sun and even then, if you're, she you have darker skin, the sun's not going to absorb as well. So then you do still need a supplement. So I would say like a liquid vitamin D three with K2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I'm bringing that up specifically because it turns, it's looking like from the research that I've seen that vitamin D, um, levels have a pretty big influence on your ability to fight this virus. So this, I think it all ties back into the whole quote, comorbidity and obesity things. People that are obese and people that have chronic inflammation have low vitamin D levels. So, um, because the, it's, it's, it's being utilized by every other system in your body. And so it's all really tying back into the fact that people have better utilized vitamin D better and have higher vitamin D levels are healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know that vitamin D is, is something that's depleted in obesity and in, and in, you know, heart disease. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it all comes back to the fact that we have to focus on the, the real killer in the United States, which is obesity. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that that is addressed after this. And I don't know if it's going to be because, it is a number one, I think, is it the number one killer in the United States right now? Or maybe heart diseases, but it's up there. I mean, yeah, so many people uh, die per day of obesity. Yeah. Um, and now it's, now it's, they're dying of COVID, but it's really the obesity that's making them die from COVID. Mm-hmm. And, um, but also people that are at that stage that, that are obese sometimes don't just don't even care about their health anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in and out of the hospital because of diabetes or, you know, um, whether it be diabetic coma or whether they're having problems with their sensation and, you know, neuropathy or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really hard to take somebody who's at that level of poor health already and say like, Hey, it's time to start worrying about your health. You yeah. know, I know, I know. Um, so I think like maybe preventative is better than anything, but the message has to get across. It can't just be like, Oh, you know, 10,000 people died of COVID. It has to be like, 10,000 people died of COVID and like 8,000 of them had obesity also. That has to be addressed. Yeah, because the headlines are covering ventilators. That's a hot topic. And then um, how many people are dying? No, I, I, I can't. I'm really looking forward to the data that comes out on the survivors. Yeah. You know, and um, I guess. But then do you know, do you know anyone who has it? Cause I know a lot of people who have, who have it or has, have um, had it. I did. I kind of stopped asking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, not a whole lot. So the people I know who have had it or tested positive, because I know also know a lot of like doctors and nurses in the ER in New York, New Jersey, um, really interesting. I know a handful of people who tested positive with, that were completely asymptomatic. You know, they had to stay out of work for a week or two, but uh, completely asymptomatic. And then I know some people who significant others they live with had it and they didn't get it mm-hmm. and they're all in really good health, like mm-hmm. really good health, you know? And so does that mean that if you're, you know, does that mean that you possibly can be okay with it if you are in better health, you know? Um, and then I know some people who are young who had it 28, 30 days, you know, like 28 days are finally feeling better and able to talk about it that are 30 years old. Yeah. So but I, I do find that I know some asymptomatic people that did test positive because they were tested because they were in healthcare and never felt a thing or who weren't tested, but live with somebody with it. So like, I mean, if you live with somebody and you're taking care of them, you're You're exposed. Yeah. Yeah. But no symptoms whatsoever. Mm. Um, so, uh, parting words of wisdom for our people that are listening 
that made it this far and uh, are still kind of interested in influencer type of workouts, um, where should, where would we steer them? Like start paying Away attention to girls with muscles. Like what is the advice? I don't, I don't know if there's any like good influencer. Oh, you know, what's her name? Laurie, Laurie what's her name? King. Um, she does Paragon. It's called Paragon something, but she does mm-hmm. more of like a, um, you could buy her book, you know, her online PDFs and stuff like that. But she is more of like a strength program or like CrossFit style, I guess, but she's got some really good stuff. Um, but I don't know, like, just don't do it. How's that? <laughs> the influencer workouts, don't do it. You know, it's worth paying somebody to write a program for you. You know, if you think about it and, you know, um, it's worth paying somebody to do a, a live one-on-one with you right now at home. Everybody I know who has hired a trainer to do a zoom one-on-one with them right now mm-hmm. feels like they got so much more out of it than they did from any other workouts. It is. Yeah, no, it's, um, it is wild. How many people like high, high quality people we have access to right now. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of our peers, I think are focused on the people giving out free stuff. You know, and I like totally resonate with you when you were kind of like, yeah, like we like the, the, the great of our industries are really going to stick out right now. You know, there's, um, less influencer BS circling through because you have a lot of high quality, um, thinking and creativity penetrating the market as well, because we have all this time. Right. And Mm -hmm. Oh, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, so I've just, I'm just so, uh, I know I've been really, I guess the right word is opportunistic about, um, just connecting with my peers that I just have so much trouble getting, you know, uh, appointments with. And like, you know, I had, um, I had a PT session online, um, for her to like check in on me and, you know, usually she's really hard to get into and yeah. just, I, I, I think it's, we got a lot of opportunity right now for sure. Um, are you doing anything new with your routine that is like drastic or? No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> my, my personal routine, I, my drastic is that I'm not doing it as much. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. Listen, it's 92 degrees already outside. So, um, if I want to lift, I either have to wake up at like six, which isn't going to happen or I have to wait till seven. And that's hard for me. Like who wants to go out and like, you know, work out at 7 p.m. But um, so I'm trying to get trying to get that flowing. But yeah, and as far as like what I'm doing as with clients, like nothing major change. I mean, you know, I never met 80% of my clients in person anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm online, you know, I, I do telehealth anyway. So yeah, nothing crazy. Um, when do you think you know? you're going to be able to pick back up with um, professional sports? who knows? Let's see what happens. Let's see what goes on. Like, so my, my busy season is like the NFL off season and that's kind of didn't happen. So, um, I'm hoping knock wood, I may have some work with like NBA off season, but like, we have to see when, when's the season going to start? When's the season going to end? So let's figure that all out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it must be really hard. I, I'm hoping a lot of, uh, like some of my college players, um, seem to have pretty good setups at their home. And then a couple other ones, I'm like, Oh, sorry, bro. Like you're going to lose some muscle. I think Like, (laughs) imagine being a pro athlete going through that right now. So like today is the first day that NFL virtual off season. So like this is when OTAs would have started. So the Mm -hmm. teams are like doing this virtual off season 
And so like not every athlete has access to the same stuff. So their strength and conditioning coaches must have a heck of a challenge on their hands. Plus Mm -hmm. just getting the guys to like check in and comply. And it's hard, you know, like I was talking about this with somebody I know who works in major league baseball and now you've got guys and they're all over the country. They're all over their South America too. And it's like, you want them to check in with their strength and conditioning coach and their position coach and their physical therapist and their nutritionist Mm -hmm. and the meetings that they have to go to and strategy. And it's like, no, people don't want to do that all day. They're athletes. They're not used to that stuff. You Mm -hmm. know? So there's so many different things we're dealing with. Um, before we wrap up, can you tell us about your female football teaching? Yes. Okay. So I have the first lesson and was ready to go. I am teaching women how to watch the game of football. Okay. And it's been a lot harder than I thought it would be just from my perspective, because I have to like know everything in order to teach it. So mm-hmm. I'm breaking it down to like five lessons. And it's really like understanding what's going on when you're watching this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then of course, with my perspective, because when I see it, I also am like, oh, well, this is why they sky made that move, or this is why they call it that, or this is why when you're watching like the defensive line, why they exercise in 10 yards at a time, because they only go 10 yards. At- so I'm bringing a little bit more into it so people can, se- can understand it. Um, but I'm hoping this week to go with the first lesson of just like understanding the field and how to score and the rules. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go deeper into the positions. Maybe I'll get some guest uh, speakers on there, some well-known yeah. athletes or coaches. So, um, it's a, it's obviously a virtual format. So is it pre-recorded? Or are you doing it? Uh, I'm going to do it live webinar on zoom to start it off. And mm-hmm. then I, hopefully as it develops, I'll be able to do like, you know, some lessons that people could, you know, look at later. I mean, I'll save it and people could access it, but I mean, my bigger picture is seeing it, you know, being able to access it whenever you want. And then maybe going into like, we have our five basic lessons, but if you want deeper lessons, if you want to understand one position better, or if you want to understand plays better, or maybe you want to understand, understand the history of a team better. Yeah. You know, then you could learn that kind of stuff no, I right now. We use the better position stuff because like sometimes I work with football players and, you know, I'm going off like my basic knowledge of yeah. football. Um, I, um, I've worked with a lot of uh, safeties, corners. Uh, yeah. And see like, and that's when it comes to safeties and cornerbacks, like they're the ones I personally like with nutrition, unless it's for combine, they don't really need me that much. I mean, they should, but they don't feel like they need me that much. But, you know, they're very hip dominant, right? Mm-hmm. Very hips. Hips are everything for them and speed. They're the fastest out there. But mm-hmm. I, if I were you, I would personally just, I would watch their film on them. I would watch mm-hmm. them perform, like watch them, watch their film and like ask them. It's, this is the other thing I've learned, like asking guys who play football what their position is. They can't really explain it in a way that women can understand. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So then I'm like, <laughs> I'm not like just okay, what? and I'm like, okay, um, but like, I know how to talk to a corner or safety. Cause I understand, I understand their position much better than other positions. I'm not sure why, but, um, no, that's funny. Um, and then, so is this like purely, um, something from your heart and something you're enjoying or is there like, a well, big- no, I mean, I want to obviously, so it costs me money just to put all this together. I had to hire someone to do the tape. I have to pay for the platform. Um, so I think in the long run, it could be something that could be profiting, but right now I'm just, you know, I want to get it flowing. If, if anything, like I might charge $5 to join in just because the platform costs me a lot of money, you know? Um, but I want to, no, I want women to understand what's going on out there. I want people to yeah. love it. I want people to love football like I love it <laughs> yeah understand right. it yeah and and it could go to other sports too I mean I won't be able to teach them but other you know I feel like women are just kind of there because they want to join in the fun they want to be social maybe it's a loved one maybe it's a family member maybe it's their friends but they're just sitting there like oh what the heck is going on 
but yeah. it's like such a fun gate. It's so much fun. Yeah. Like I don't even sit, I'm standing yelling the whole time. So yeah. And if you just look at it from like a quality of life standpoint, like you can make that like time more fun and productive and coactive if you're more involved with the game, like your yeah. another is or your brother or whatever. Yeah. That's cool. Thanks for hanging out with us this long. I have a special little treat for you. First of all, if you want to get in touch with Jacqueline, she's on Instagram at athletes nutrition, fitmissnyc.com, and athletesnutrition.com. Of course, you can reach me at impactyourfitness.net, impact underscore your underscore fitness on Instagram, and two special treats today. One, if you are interested in movement pathways, I have a promo code for you. It is stay home 20 for 20% off the $300 membership program. And if you are interested in seriously healthy drinks, meaning something you put in a shaker bottle and shake it up and want to enjoy fruits and vegetables and nothing else I need you to check out Ruby. This is something I drink myself. I have been vetting products for months now to bring on something to the podcast affiliation and it's here. So Ruby, it is a freeze-dried powdered drink of vegetables fruits nothing else all the fiber they have four blends they are delicious and it's just amazing there's nothing else in there picked at their peak nutrition no additives no sugar no gluten none of that crap and you can purchase and a variety of their stuff at impactyourfitness.thrivelife.com slash ruby And with your first purchase, you will get a sexy shaker bottle and enjoy all your Ruby there. My favorite so far is the Focus Blend, uh, which is blueberries, grapes, blackberries, bananas, strawberry, broccoli, zucchini, spinach, acai, makai, berry. Um, So it's two and a half servings of fruit, one and a half servings of vegetables. So it's four servings total. I love all of them really but that one's my favorite impactyourfitness.thrivelife.com slash ruby and we have a really fun month of podcasts coming up i've got one more coming out in april and i cannot wait to hear from you please uh give us a um, a subscribe (laughs) on youtube instagram all the podcasts platforms. And if you feel so compelled, I would love to have your review on iTunes. Have a wonderful week.